0: Welcome to Real Life. We're so happy you could join us this morning. Um, Let's stand up and we'll start this morning by singing. i yeah, yeah, yeah. survive. I can't go on if I'm without you by my side. I want to spend eternity with you. of my praise and we worship you. Jesus we worship you. You're the king of kings and the lord of lords. You're the master of the universe. You're the ruler of all nations and we sing to you. When you call my name I'll run to you. I'll do anything. If you, my Lord I'll do anything you ask me to.
1: seated come the time to do our communion but before we do that I want to share with share with you a little message Um, don't know what you do in your daily lives and how you go about reaching out to God throughout the week but for me I have a daily devotion I got the app on my phone and what I do is I read it and see how I can apply that to my life for that day um, through strength or through anything else that I need um, today I want to share with you what I have for me it's kind of hard to do both of this uh, so it starts off with me every morning it says welcome could you use some prayer well today is how the Holy Spirit Holy Holy Spirit, prays for us and then once I do that, I go ahead and read a, a verse of the day. And Now I can't find it. But the verse of the day was it was actually from Romans 8, 26, where it talks about the Holy Spirit um, is there to help us support us for our prayer. Um, there's times that we don't have things to say. We don't know what to say and how to go about saying it. But the Holy Spirit will guide us. It will be there for us and God will answer our prayers. And in doing that, we also have to believe that, as believers, um, we are not here to solve our own problems. Jesus is here to help us solve our problems through prayer and reaching out to him daily. Um, He will be there to bless us and guide us through any troubles that we have. So um, I encourage you to have a daily devotional for yourselves every day, and also try to, read the word as often as you can for support uh, as for communion as here in real life what we do we have open communion and we ask you to be believers in jesus christ and to take time to reflect and remember the um, sacrifice he did for us here at real life we have stations all around the, the back and the side um, we have um, people to serve you to um to hand you out the wine crackers and everything and uh, at that time we ask you to be able to uh, pray and remember him either with by yourself a family member or a friend Uh, just understanding that we're reaching out to be with him uh, at this moment something that we do every week something that we we practice and try to keep you faithful in that let us pray dear Lord Heavenly Father thank you for being there for us lord thank you for the power of prayer to be able to talk to and communicate to you lord as we prepare our hearts and minds for the take of the communion lord let us be able to reflect on the sacrifice that jesus did for us and the love that he has for us and the, and what we're going to be seeing in the day of glory thank you lord for everything Christ, we pray amen
2: Good morning, welcome to Real Life. Thanks for joining us both here in person in El Dorado and thanks to you joining us online as well. This is your first Sunday with us, either here uh, with us in person or online. We'd love to have you take a minute and go to reallifecc.us on your mobile device, click the I'm new button, fill out that short form and uh, we just wanna send you an email say thanks for joining us today. Every Sunday, we do take a moment out to give back to God some of what he's given to us. And I want to read today from Exodus chapter 35, a few verses. Moses uh, and the Israelites are out wandering in the wilderness, and they're getting ready to build the tabernacle, uh, the temple uh, to worship God. And so they're bringing in their offering. And here's what Moses says. He said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple, and scarlet yarn, fine twisted linen, goat's hair, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, And for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breast piece. Now, two things I want to point out from that um, verse before we get a chance to give. The first one is um, that Moses says, Whoever is of a generous heart. And so when we give to church or give anywhere, God doesn't want us to give out of obligation. Like we're forced, he wants us to give because we want to. Because we want to see God's kingdom advance. Because we want to see the mission and ministry of the kingdom uh, continue to go and to grow. And so he wants us to give from a generous heart. Secondly, it's interesting to me that all of these different things were brought in for the work of the tabernacle. What the tabernacle, what the temple, what the people of God were doing so that all nations might come there and worship God. And we have a little different situation here. We don't have a a temple, a specific place in the world where we have to go and worship God like the Israelites did. We can worship God here. Uh, in a rented facility we can worship God in a church building you can worship God uh, sitting on your recliner in your pajamas if you want to Um, the point is that we have an opportunity to give so that the kingdom can continue to grow so the mission and ministry uh, if you're a part of real life of real life can continue and that many more people can come to find uh, real life in Jesus and look more like him every day And so if God moves your heart today to give, you can do that by going to reallifecc.us on your mobile device or your computer, click on the orange give button in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, follow that giving flow, make sure you uh, create an account at the end if you've never done that before, make sure you're signed in and uh, all your information will be saved and you can help us uh, do what God has called us to do. If you're joining us at live.reallifecc.us, just click the blue give now button and uh, you'll be able to follow that same flow. Um, and give as well if you're here in person we've got a bucket set up by the back doors our COVID safe uh, offering uh, bucket so you can give that way Um, however you give thank you for helping to continue the mission and ministry of this place let's pray God thanks for loving us thanks for all that you give to us Um, God, just thanks for giving us the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing here in this town and really uh, around the world through planting churches and uh, just through the online ministry. God, would you continue to, to reach out to help every person possible find real life in your son Jesus and to look more like him every day and so God as you uh, provide for your church through us we're thankful that we get to partner with you in that and we're excited to see what you're going to do through us and through this place as we continue to give Uh, God just uh, be with us today as we share this morning in Jesus name amen have you ever gotten off course in in your life? And maybe you're in a situation where you're like, oh yeah, you know, like I've I've blown it before. I've been way off course. Maybe you were into uh, some addiction or something and got way off course. Uh, I had a little experience with that um, just on the road. So last month... Uh, Andy and I took our son Trent to a little getaway to F- Fort Collins, Colorado. We've got some family there, and uh, Trent had been cooped up in the house during COVID for the last four or five months. And Andrea getting ready to go back to school. Um, at, at you know she's a school psych, so getting ready to go back to work. And we wanted to get Trent out of the house for a little bit and give him a little bit of fresh air. He loves to travel, and so. Um, we threw him in the car and we took off. And we left on a Sunday morning after church and I had some work to get done. So I went home, we had lunch, I did my work and then we got in the, uh, we got in the truck and took off. And we got uh, into Fort Collins, Colorado, like I think we got to the place we were staying, the Airbnb we were staying at at like 11.30 that night. And we would have gotten there earlier except... We were cruising north on highway 25. We had uh, taken 470 and got on 25. We were headed up towards um, uh, Cheyenne, I think it is. And uh, I, I were getting, taking a new route, like a di- different route, not going to my cousin's house. And all of a sudden, I, I was just thinking, I was sitting there driving it was real quiet, you know, it was dark out. And uh, I was thinking, nothing looks familiar. You ever been in that situation? Like, this cruising, I'm like, this just doesn't look right. Like, I don't know what's wrong, but this doesn't look right. And so I tell Ann, I'm like, hey, um, I think maybe we missed it. Yeah, we missed it. About 30 minutes missed it. Uh, and so had to find to go to the next exit, you know, get off the highway, turn around, drive back. Oh, I hate doing that. Uh, if you've ever been in the car with me and we've gone someplace that I don't know or I've never been, you, you know I don't get really frustrated uh, or upset very often, but put me in a vehicle in a place where I am not familiar and I don't know where I'm going, and then don't give me very clear directions. And then I will, uh, that is like my, I don't know what it is. That's my rocket ship moment, okay? <laughs> I'm not happy in those moments. I want to know where I'm going, I want to know how to get there, all this stuff. So, anyway, we figured it out and we got back to the, uh, Got back to the Airbnb and everything was okay. I think, though, that Satan has been doing this to us a lot lately, getting us off track at least it feels like that you know like you're cruising down the road of life and everything is going well maybe you're following jesus you've you've got what ray was talking about your bible reading down you know you're just doing all the things you're supposed to be doing you're feeling good about life um and then all of a sudden you look around like i'm not sure where i'm at i don't know what's what's going on um Like, I I had this picture of where I was headed, and this doesn't look like it, and now I don't really know where I am. Like, this wasn't my intended destination. I think probably all of us could say that. If we went back to January or early February of 2020, we would go, this was not our intended destination. Wherever we are right now, this was not where we intended to be. Now, I don't want to simplify it too much, but um, I think Satan uses three interconnected feelings to get us off course in our lives. So I think there's three feelings in particular that Satan uses to kind of um, get us off course, get us distracted from, from what God is doing in lives. Um, our, our lives and so um, we, we actually talked by the way we talked last week if if you were here join us in person or online we talked about um, feelings and about how whether we can trust those or, or not a little bit and uh, Pam joined me up here and did a great job and so if you haven't seen that make sure you jump back uh, sometime this week to reallifecc.us. click the um, watch now uh, link and then uh, check out part three you've got to stand on something uh, was the title of that message, so you can check that out um, this week sometime online. So three interconnected feelings that Satan uses to get us off uh, course. And I think these can build on each other, but they can also be used individually. So let's just um, jump in and look at the first one. I think the first feeling that Satan uses to get us off course is the feeling of being happy. Or maybe we could say it this way, um, the pursuit of happiness. When we pursue happiness in our life, we can get off course. Now, that can be um, binge spending, making a major life decision that kind of changes everything. We do lots of different things to chase that elusive feeling of being happy. We blame our spouse if we're not happy. Sometimes we blame our kids, we blame our job because we're not happy or our families or our our extended family or maybe our parents I'm not happy because you didn't raise me right or you didn't provide this or that um, for me we blame our our bills we blame all kinds of things for why we're not feeling happy but when we get the things that we thought would make us happy what happens we find out that that feeling of happiness goes away really quick right so we think, oh, if I just had this new TV, if I just had this new car, if I just had this new spouse, life would be great and I'd be happy. But then we get those things and we're happy for a moment because we're, we're, just, we're distracted and then all of a sudden we're unhappy again. We can get unhappy pretty darn quick. So Satan convinces us that if we just had that new thing, Whatever it is, if we just were able to get to that place or have that new thing, that we would be happy, but that happiness doesn't last. It's an empty promise. And so it's this constant pursuit of happiness, of this elusive feeling that leads to the next feeling that I think Satan uses, and that's just being tired. I think Satan wants us Tired. Satan loves to keep us so busy with work and kids and school and, and, and hobbies and honeydews and overtime that by the time Sunday rolls around, we're, um, we, we say things like this. Uh, I've actually, I've gotten this before. Uh, look, pastor, I'd love to come to church uh, on Sunday. I'd love to be there. I love what's going on uh, at church, but man, Sunday is just my only day to sleep in and so like I can't get up because I, I just I gotta have at least one day to sleep in I think sometimes um we treat church like maybe surely none of you did this but maybe your kids did this I think we treat church like that friend on the phone who calls you up and says hey do you want to come over and spend the night and we go to mom or dad and we're like hey Like, DJ's on the phone, he wants me to spend the night, and I don't want to go. Can you tell him I'm busy? You ever done that? (laughs) So I think sometimes we treat God like that. We treat church like that. And we're just like, we're just trying to find an excuse. Please, somebody, job, work, spouse, somebody tell me that I'm just too busy. I just can't make it this Sunday. If Satan can keep you tired from everything else you're doing, then Satan can keep you from following Jesus. And I think that's what he wants to do, right? I think the third um, feeling that, that Satan uses is just the feeling of being distracted. In fact, being happy or searching for happiness, being tired, all of that could kind of fit under this heading. Satan wants us distracted. He doesn't want you looking like Jesus, He doesn't want you growing through your struggles. He doesn't want you um, following Jesus or standing up to his schemes or trick, to Satan's schemes or tricks. He wants you distracted with life, with career plans, with uh, your home improvements, with kids' extracurricular activities. He wants you distracted trying to figure out why God is putting you through the things that you're going through. Right? I think Satan uses this feeling of being distracted when we're going through a struggle and instead of growing through that struggle, we spend all our time going, why, God, are you doing this? Why are you making me go through this? Why are you causing this terrible thing to happen in my life? Why can't I just be happy? Satan wants you distracted with um, masked masks. Debates with politics, with social media, half-truths that get spread a million times. This is what's so frustrating me about social media. I see so many things all the time that are half-truth or, or maybe completely false. But because of social media, they get shared millions of times in a very short a period of time, a few minutes. All of a sudden, this is out there. And now our perception of reality has changed because of something that may not have even be, been true. And what happens? We're distracted. If you're a social media person, you know what being distracted is because you can get on Facebook or Twitter or whatever for a minute and all of a sudden it's been an hour and you're angry because you've seen all of these things, half of which are untrue, or at least only half true. And you're upset and you're distracted, right? And, And then you're not doing the things that maybe would lead you to look more like Jesus. If Satan can keep you distracted, You won't be developing as a follower of Jesus. And so Satan uses these feelings, the desire to be happy and then then feeling tired because we're pursuing happiness and being distracted from just all the things that are going on in, in our lives. And he uses those things to keep us from looking more like Jesus. And so James, in this series that we've been in, is laying out a multitude of things in this first chapter, trying to help us understand how Satan works in our lives so that we can be better prepared to stand up against that. So we're going to be back in James chapter 1 today, verses 16 to 18. Again, we're looking in the message version of, uh, of the Bible, and so uh, let's just jump to that text and look. So we've come down towards the end of the chapter, and here's what James says. So my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. James starts that out, don't get thrown off off course. Let's take a second to pray. God, thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks for the promise that you will be with us when we come to honor you and to worship you. And we just come, even just a pair of us come, to to be in your presence. We thank you for that promise. Even when we maybe don't feel like it, maybe even this morning there's some folks here that are distracted or tired. God, I pray that you would give us just the next few minutes to calm our our minds and our hearts, to focus on you. God, that that we would be aware of the the tricks and the schemes that Satan uses to get us off course and that because we're aware of those things, we might avoid more of them in our future. And if we can avoid those distractions that Satan, we can avoid getting off course, then we can grow in you and look more like your son and that's our goals. So would you help us today to do that in Jesus' name? Amen. So James says, don't get thrown off course. Now, I grew up in Oregon. First 18 years of uh, my life was spent in South Central Oregon, about 45 minutes or an hour or so from the California border. Uh, we didn't go South very often. Um, but From my home in White City, Oregon, we could go uh, west for a while or a long ways east or north, and any of those three directions that we went, we wouldn't be driving very far before we saw a sign on the side of the road that said, watch for falling rock. Now, um, if you've ever been in Oregon or been in a place where you see that sign, that is not a comforting sign. And I remember as a kid sitting in the back seat, driving all over Oregon, seeing these signs all over the place, because Oregon's all mountains, okay? Uh, We don't get that here, but there's mountains everywhere. You can't look anywhere because all you see is mountains. And so to get the roads around to where you're going, they got to cut through the mountains. So there's these signs, watch for falling rock, all over the place. Now, sometimes they've tried to protect you from the rock. And so I remember driving down uh, or driving up I five and seeing on a sheer rock face, uh, they'd taken chain link fence and they'd stretched it across all the way up the front of this face. They'd stretched it all the way across. They'd anchored it to the sides to try and keep the rocks from falling down into the road. And more than once, I saw on the side of the road literally a car crushing boulder. Like if it fell in the road and your car was there, like smashed, dead, gone, that's it. And I remember thinking, I wonder what it was like for those people driving down the road when that thing fell. And I mean, it was obvious it just fell and stuck in the ground. How crazy that was and I always expected that at some point while we were driving we would be caught in one of these um rock avalanche things and it would destroy the car and it would be really terrible um and I kind of think about that now like I think about tornadoes they're around and I've seen them never been in one Maybe it's not real. I don't know. It probably is. My mother thinks that if you live in Kansas, because she's uh, in Idaho now, Oregon and Idaho, she thinks that if you live in Kansas, um, like every year you're in a tornado. Uh, Like Dorothy, swept up, you know, like it's terrible. She doesn't understand that, like, we haven't had one here for a while. Don't bring one, God. Okay, so... um, Like the rocks falling in our path, that's kind of how the struggles in our life feel. You're going along just fine, following the road, growing in your faith, following Jesus, striving to look more like him every day, staying on the path, you're staying on the road, and then bam, like Satan causes this avalanche, and all these rocks comes crashing into your lives and these big boulders, and, and you find that you've got to swerve, and you get off course really easily. And I think that is why James is going to such great lengths in this first chapter to help us understand how Satan works. See, James wants us prepared to watch for falling rocks. He wants us to be prepared. He was like, hey, look, Satan is going to cause struggles in your life. Struggles are going to come into your life just because of the world that we live in and the sin reigning in the world that we live in. It's going to come, and so you need to be prepared for this, and so just watch out. So we see these warning signs that James puts up. Just watch for these falling rocks. See, when we understand that struggles are coming, we can prepare mentally and spiritually For those struggles, that way we're more likely to grow through them instead of being stopped by them. And so James chapter 1 is helping us do this. James has been teaching us how to process struggles so that we're prepared for what's to come. So I want to take a quick trip over the last uh, three weeks, but then we'll get to today, uh, and some of the things that we've learned about Satan and how struggles work in our lives and, and what James wants us to know or to remember from the things that um, that we've read in chapter 1. So the first one comes from verse 2 of chapter 1, and, and James just really says, consider your struggles a gift. Consider it a sheer gift, he said, when Tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Now, our normal reaction to struggle, right, is to complain and try to avoid them and get out of them. But if we see our struggles as, as God sees them, then our perspective changes. And even though the struggles that we face are difficult, when we face them, we have the chance to trust God more deeply and to grow in him. And so, and so James says, look, consider the struggles that you face a gift because they allow you to trust God and to grow in him. And then verse 5 and 6 in weeks 2, we said this, um, ask God for help, believing that he will help. James goes on to say, ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought, because God's the one who can turn our struggles into strength. So James challenges us to trust God to be there for us even when our circumstances try to hide that truth. So James is like, look, even in the midst of your struggle, when you think you're alone and nobody cares about you and nobody, uh, like nobody knows what's going on in your life, he says, look, God's right there. He's ready to help you if you ask him for help. He hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't left you. He's right there where he needs to be. So in week three we looked at verse thirteen. God is impervious to evil and doesn't use it even for good. Emotions and and, and, and feelings are powerful things, but they are not outside of our control. Those feelings of of happiness or being tired or being distracted, those can be powerful things, but they're not outside of our control. I I read this in an online article from TrinityStudyCenter.com. Here's what it said. When we are in the midst of difficulties, it is easy to be deceived. This is because the truth of God's character and purposes are not obvious in those circumstances. In the midst of struggle, it's hard to see the bigger picture of what God is doing. Our struggles, he goes on, will not by themselves tell us the truth about God or about who we are. James does not want us to be deceived about that limitation. So sometimes in the midst of our struggles, we try to look for God, we try to figure out what God is doing, and we just can't see it. And so then we continue to cry out to God, like, why are you doing this? Why are you punishing me? Or why are you causing these things to happen in my life? And, and James is like, look, that's a bad time to try and figure out what all God is doing. What you got to do in those struggles is just remain. you got to continue. you got to go on the course. And you got to remember that God is impervious to evil and he doesn't use evil even to bring about good. So while we might want to blame God for the struggles that we're going through, James says that's not the case. Don't do that. Like that's like saying God, you're causing this evil or this problems in my life. That's not a good thing. And that really helps to get us off track. This morning, we're going to look at part in verse uh, 17. And here's what we're going to find out. Every good thing comes from God. So not only is God impervious to evil and he doesn't use evil even for good, but if it's good, it comes from God. Last Sunday I told you that Satan will always promise you a short- shortcut so you don't have to follow God's plan, but then that shortcut never works out, right? But God prom- or Satan promises all of these things. Happiness and, and you'll have time and it'll be great of all the things you ever wanted, but it never works out. The other idea that Satan wants to impart to you is that good things in our lives can come from him instead of from God. So Satan wants to to say, look, you don't have to go God's way to get the good things that he's promised. I can show you this shortcut, and I can give you the same good things. That's exactly what he said to Eve in the garden. And so what he does is he draws our attention to, to people or situations that, um, that, that we might, that, where people have things that we might want. Okay, so um, power, uh, pleasure, position, uh, finances, freedom. And we look at people, uh, we, we see their lives. Maybe you know somebody in that kind of a situation. You're like, I wish I could just be where they're at. We see it um, on, on TV, the lives of the, the rich and famous. We look at those, we're like, man, I'd like to have that. And, and we go, this person is not a believer, they're not a follower of Jesus, and yet they have money, and they've got freedom, they've got all of these things, and they've got the stuff that I want. And so Satan wants to distract us and, and get us to think that we can get good things in our lives and not get those things from God. But that's not really the case because we know that even those people that have those good things that we think we want in their lives, they don't always see those things as good. And so sometimes what happens is our our eyesight gets, gets bad. What we want to be good actually we find out isn't good for us. And so this is James' last ditch effort to help us understand how Satan is manipulating us by causing the struggles in our lives and then promising uh, to rescue us from those struggles uh, if we just follow him, right? So he's like, look, all you got to do is follow me and I'll give you the things that you want. Here's how Satan um, works this out. It's like uh, he comes into your home or your business and he ransacks it. He just destroys it. And then he goes to you and says, okay, look, Uh, If you pay me, I'll protect your business so that it won't be ransacked. It won't be broken down. You won't have any problems anymore um, from me. But if you don't pay me, I'm going to come and I'm going to destroy things again. You see how Satan makes that work? So he brings struggles into our lives, and then he says, hey, look, if you just follow me, if you just worship me, if you just follow my path, I'll give you all the good things um, that, that you want. But if you don't follow my path, I'm going I'm to bring all this nasty stuff in your life. Satan never is honest about those things. The whole chapter of James, chapter 1, is warning us, uh, or is a warning for us to do just one thing. And that's to bring your reality in line with Jesus' reign. So we look at James chapter 1, look at all the things that he said. Consider struggles as good things. Recognize that God doesn't use evil. And today, good things come from, from God. It's all to help us bring our reality in line with Jesus' reign. So that how we're functioning in our lives and how we're working in our lives is in line with what God's word says and the truth about how things actually work in our lives. See, if Satan succeeds in throwing you off course, you won't grow, which is perfect for him because Satan wants you stuck. So Satan wants to throw us off course. He wants to get us distracted. He doesn't want us to grow in Jesus because Satan wants you stuck. And a stuck follower of Jesus can't really follow Jesus. If we're stuck dealing with those like struggles, just normal things, and we can't get past it, and we can't get through it, and we just don't know what to do, and we're blaming God, and we're asking God why, and we just can't move forward. We can't follow Jesus. Satan wants us stuck. So we need to know the truth, and we need to let it soak into our minds and hearts so that we can grow through what we go through and so James continues in um, verse 16 and 17 he says every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven if you're wondering where any good thing in your life came it came out of heaven look Satan is not after our good he's after our God is, think about it. So we think Satan's coming after us all the time, attacking us and trying to get us distracted or whatever. But Satan's not after our good, he's after our, our God. And so if Satan can get us distracted, if he can get us to worship him by following his path to get to the places, the shortcut to get to the things that God has promised us, and Satan says, look, I can get you there faster. If he can get us distracted in that, then he can hurt God. God loves us. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He doesn't want to see you struggling, but he wants to grow grow you through those struggles. He knows that they're going to come because sin is in the world, because Satan is active. And so he wants to help you grow through that stuff. But Satan promises that you can avoid those things without growing and still get to the good stuff that God has promised. But it doesn't happen. If he can get us to question God, Satan can get us more easily stuck in our faith. And so if we question whether or not God is the giver of all good things, we'll begin to look elsewhere for the good things that we want in our lives. If we don't recognize that all good things come from God, we're going to look in other places, right? We're going we're to try other people. We're going to try other positions in our job. Well, if I just had a better job, a bigger job, a higher paying job, a different job, then I'd have the things that I want. And so Satan will trap us with what we want, where God wants to train us by what we need. So God is growing us through those situations, and Satan is just trying to keep us stuck. And, and so to help us remember this uh, idea today, I've made it our bottom line. And so it's this, if it's good, it's from God. If there's anything in your life that is good, it's come from from God it doesn't come from outside of God it doesn't come from elsewhere it doesn't come because I'm so smart or I have such great ability or 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 I did this hard work or I did all of these things if it's good it comes from God ultimately because he is sovereign now if we had our way we'd never face another struggle again right If, if I had my way I'd never face another struggle in my life again. Everything with my children would be perfect. Everything in, my, in my, my life, my wife would be perfect. Relationship would be great. Life would be perfect, and I'd have everything that I ever wanted. But the reality is that truth is uh, life is not all it's cracked up to be. And strength is only gained through struggle. So even though... God allows struggle in our lives, it's always for our good. And if it's good, it's from God. The author of an article at uh, TrinityStudyCenter.com had this to say. When we struggle, we may be tempted to believe that there are various alternative sources to receive the good gifts we desire. But James reminds us that all the good things in our lives ultimately come from God. We have not received them as gifts from ourselves or from others. When we're tempted to manipulate our circumstances to get what we want or think we need, we are settling for something that is not perfect and ultimately may not be good. So when we're taking the distractions that Satan promises uh, to give us the good things in our lives that God said we could have, when we take those ramps and we go off and we get off course, They may not be perfect. It may not even be good in the end. But it's going to look good at the beginning. goes on to say, Honestly, it's not always clear what those good things from God are or will be or how anything good could come out of the struggle we're currently in. But we can't look directly at our struggle to find what is good. We've got to look to the Father of lights. So here's what he's saying. If you're going through a struggle right now, It might be really difficult to see the good that God is ultimately going to bring out of that struggle. We might be frustrated that we don't know which way to go. We don't know what's going on. And maybe you're in that stage where you're just blaming God and saying, God, why are you causing these things to happen in my life? But God knows what the end result is going to be. So God is growing us through the struggles that we're in. And I I know, because I've been there, the desire is to simply get out of that struggle. I want to get out of that struggle as fast as I can. I want to move beyond it. I want to get past it. I want to stop the struggle, and I want to get to a place where there's not going to be struggle, and there's not going to be challenges in my life. But guess what happens when we do that? When we try to skirt the struggle, we have to face that struggle again. Look, like you, you, can't, you, you can't move on until you pass the test. And so we're going to have to go through those things over and over again. And so God sees this big picture. And in the middle of our struggle, it's difficult to see what God is doing. But he is always working for our good, everything that goes on. And if it's good, it's from God. In the rest of 17 and 18, James gives us sort of a a character sketch of God. And so James has made this outrageous statement for those going through struggles that every good thing comes from God. And now he's going to lay out why we should think this way. And so first, James tells us that that all good gifts of God are are like, like rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. Now, again, I grew up in Oregon. There's lots of waterfalls and really cool places in Oregon, and so that's what I think of. Rivers of light cascading down from the Father of Light. But I also thought of something else as I was working on this this week. Um, How many of you saw the Lion King movie? See, like, okay, just about everybody good. If you haven't yet, you've had plenty of time. It's been like 20 years or something. So there's a scene at the beginning of Lion King where Mufasa... Right, He's the uh, the king, and he takes his son Simba, uh, a little lion cub, and they walk up to the top of Pride Rock. That's where the home is. And they're sitting up there, and they're watching the sun come up. And as the sun comes up over the horizon, and they see this great big land, Mufasa's sitting there, and he says, Do you see this, sun? Everything the light touches is our kingdom. And Simba's like, Ooh. He's excited because one day he knows that he's going to be king, and that's going to be his kingdom. He's pretty excited about that. And so he's listening to what dad says, and he says says to his dad, Dad, what about that shadowy place over there? And if you've seen the movie, you're like, no, Simba, don't go there. That's bad because that's where the hyenas live, right? I I would say uh, this, hyenas, uh, Brock, and snakes. Those are the two things because they're basically Satan. And so they live in the shadows, and Mufasa says, that's not part of our of our kingdom. That dark shadowy place over there. Don't go there. And he says that because um, the movie gets this that shadows hide and conceal or distort the truth. James wants us to know that is not the case with God. There are no shadows with him, there's nothing hidden. There's nothing secret. There's nothing that's kept back from you. There's nothing that's going to jump out and surprise you later. God is not a bait and switch God. He's light, and all he does is light. So let me give you a little, a little tidbit of information. The world is full of um, different religions and, and ideas and ideologies right now. But if you're ever approached by somebody who claims to be a believer, maybe even says they're a follower of, of Jesus, a Christian, and they want you to come to your church, their church, and, and, and you discover that at some point in any religion, if there is a place where the average people are, and then once you reach a certain level, you get to go like behind the curtain. Right, The Wizard of Oz, you get to go behind the curtain and there's, there's more knowledge or understanding or secret stuff of God there that the average person can't know about. That is a big warning sign for you, okay? So if you, you, you come to, realize, we don't have this by the way. There's no, you don't reach a certain level and then all of a sudden you get invited to the real party. That, that's not real, it doesn't happen, it doesn't go on here. But it does in other places and in other religions and other denominations. Once you get to a certain level, once you uh, grow to a certain place, then you can be invited into this inner circle and you can have greater knowledge and you can wear special underwear. And uh, different things can happen that the average person doesn't get to do. And and I think James is telling us right here, look, if your religion or your idea of Christianity has a secret part that only a few special privileged people get to know about, it is not the religion of the Bible. It is not God's word. That's not Jesus' plan. The gifts that God gives us are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of lights. There is no shadow. There is no secret. There is nothing hidden with God. And so if your religion has something hidden that only a few people can know about and you can only get if you give a certain amount of money or you get to a certain place, that is not the religion of God. If it's good, it's from God. If it's not good, it's not from God. And so James goes on to talk about this idea a little more um, in the next part of the verse. He says, there is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, Nothing that is fickle. Again, nothing is hidden. There's no fine print in Christianity. There's no fine print in following Jesus where at some point he's going to go, Aha, I got you. God isn't two-faced. Meaning that he's not going to tell you one thing and somebody else something different. No one has a corner on God. He's not one way around you before you surrender to him and then a different way after that. He always acts in love toward you, even if you don't understand what he's doing as love. He's always acting in, in love. James goes on to say God is not fickle. Meaning he's consistent. He doesn't change his mind. He's not an inconsistent parent who says it's okay to jump on the couch on Monday, but on Tuesday I'm going to beat you for it. God doesn't do that. God's the same each and every day. That never changes with him. And and that means, James is saying, look, we can trust God. Really, all of this is about trusting God. It's all light. It's all visible. It's all out there for us to see. The ministry of Jesus wasn't done behind closed doors. It was out in the public for everyone to see. When the religious leaders uh, of the temple, uh, the guards, came to get him the night that he was betrayed, he said, wasn't I in the temple preaching and teaching? Couldn't you have arrested me in front of everybody? Because that's what I did. Jesus didn't hide away. He didn't do things in in secret. He did it out in the open. He shared about the kingdom of God out in the open. It wasn't inconsistent. If God says it, that's the way it is. So you're not going to get to heaven and find out that the rules have been changed. This whole chapter, James, has been encouraging followers of Jesus to be careful, honestly, really, about how we talk to ourselves. Especially when we're in the middle of struggles and we're more easily deceived in that time. Remember, I think it was the first week we talked about how Satan looks for opportunities where we're exposed because we're tired. Because we're going through a struggle and we don't know what God is doing, we're asking why, and so we're more easily susceptible to his tricks. What we tell ourselves about the truth of God is incredibly important. And that's what James is trying to do. He's trying to help us know the truth so that we can grow through the struggles we face so we don't just give up and run from them and have to go through them all over again. When you trust God, you can look into his word and act based on what you see there instead of responding to what you see in the middle of your struggle. It's one of the things I think is so great about about God and and even extended to other parts of our, our lives today. When I look at the things that are going on in society, I don't have to wonder, is this right or is that right? Should I do this or should I not do this? I can just go back to God's word and I can go, well, here's what God's word says. And I don't care what society says. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what other people say. This is what God says. And so I have a a firm foundation, a a rock, the word is called, that I can stand on. And I don't have to be like like shifting shadows. We talked earlier in in James in chapter 1 about a ship being on the water and being tossed about by the waves. That's what James is getting at. He's like, look, you can can trust God. There's nothing deceitful in him, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. You can stand on this truth. Even when the world around you is going crazy and even when you don't know which way to go, you can go back to God's word and you can say, okay, I have this point and I can be anchored to this and I don't have to get blown around by all these other ideas. When you face struggles in your life without the truth of God's word guiding you, you may be tempted to wonder why God made you. And if the struggle that you're in right now is all there is to life, right? Because we might go, if this all there is to life, why am I gonna continue this struggle? And I think James answers this question in the next part. He says this, that, that God brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Now, there's a lot of stuff that I could say about this, but I'm going to try and bring it down to this. God loves you. And he loves you with a love that that you can't possibly understand. It's it's a love that isn't swayed by the things we do or say or or think. It's a a truly unconditional love. Love. And so it doesn't matter, your failures, your your faults, your your habits, your hiccups, your hangups, whatever it is, like those might be a part of your life and those might be part of the struggle that you deal with in your life, but God looks past all of that stuff and he sees you, this person that he created and wants to have a relationship with. God loves you and he brought you to life using the true word. What I think he's trying to tell us is this. It doesn't matter how you were conceived in this world. It doesn't matter what deceit or or what fault or what failure led to your conception in this world. God brought you to life using the true word. If God didn't want you here, you would not be here. He brought you to life not using a false word, not claiming to love you and then not not claiming to love you and then and then showing you a kind of love that isn't love at all. We sometimes don't understand what love is, right? Because because mom and dad or or spouse said, I love you, and then they beat us. Or then they then they talked in, in a way that put us down. Sometimes we don't understand what love. James is like, look, th- this is love. He brought you into this world the true word, because he wanted to have a relationship with you. He wanted to know you, and he wanted you to know him. He wanted to help you through those struggles of life. He he wanted to bring you into the real life that we talk about when we get to heaven and we get to be with him, and and the struggles of this life pass away, and we're not distracted or deceived by Satan anymore. And, And really, it comes down to this. James says that you are the crown of all God's creatures. You go, yeah, but I messed up and I'm too bad and I'm too broken and I'm too whatever. No, God brought you to life in truth and you're the crown of all the things that he made. Humanity he made at the end and the only creature that he made to have a relationship with him. And that's what he wants. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what struggles you've been through and what's been happening in your life or relationships or job or or whatever. I don't know any of that. But I know what God's word says. And I know that if it's good in your life, it's coming from God. And I know that he loves you with an incredible, overwhelming love that you can't possibly imagine or get away from. And I know that wherever you're at, He's going to pursue you into that place to bring you into relationship with Him because He wants to have that with you. He wants to communicate with you. And He wants to watch you and help you grow through the things that you go through. This is why it's important for you to work through your struggles, to bring your reality in line with Jesus' reign. Because if we get to this place where we realize we can't count on God, We're not going to chase him. If you don't trust the love of God, if you don't trust that he's bringing about good things in your life, even in the midst of the struggle, why in the world would you chase him? Why would you want to look more like him? We've learned four truths about God over the last four weeks that I want you to hold on to as we move forward. From the first part of the chapter, we've learned... um, this that struggles are gifts to help us grow and, and you may not be feeling like you're, that represents your struggle but I promise you it does because that's what God's word says secondly God wants to help you not to harm you The struggles are going to grow you ultimately God wants to help you he's not out to harm you and so he wants what's best for you Thirdly, we learned that evil has no power over God and that he won't use it even for good. And so you can trust that God is not gonna, if it's evil in your life, if it's bad in your life, it didn't come from God. And we know that because of what we learned today, that if it's from God, if it's good, it came from God. If it's from God, it's good. So I'm gonna leave you with this challenge at the end of this series. When you face struggles in your life, are you gonna believe the lie of Satan or the truth of your Savior? Are you gonna follow Satan and get distracted and get off course? Or are you gonna stay the course and and let God grow you, love you, and bring you to a better place? Faithful obedience in the same direction will help you stay on course and live a life devoted to God, follower of Jesus, no matter what struggles may come your way. And that's what he wants. Faithful obedience in the same direction. We've been saying it this way through this whole service. Every day, faithfulness. No matter what goes on in your life tomorrow, Tuesday, the rest of this week, You can go back to God's word, and you can go, I know that God loves me, and I know that God wants to bring good about in my life, and so I'm going to hold on to that, regardless of what the things around me are trying to tell me, regardless of what Satan's trying to do in my life. I'm going to hold on to the truth of God's word. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for all that you do for us, and thank you, God, for for being a God that doesn't leave us in the midst of our struggle, but that walks through those struggles with us. You desire to grow us, to to look more like your son, Jesus, in spite of those things that we might face. And so God, right, right now, I know that there are folks in this room, maybe watching online, going through struggles that maybe we have no idea about maybe financial struggles, relational struggles, emotional struggles, may be things that have gone way back in, in, in the past, maybe even to our childhood, and things that we were told or things that were done to us that we just can't seem to let go of. Maybe there are recent things that have happened. God, help us to not get distracted by the false promises that Satan makes, but to hold on to the truth of your word. Help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, two things before we're done this morning. Um, The first one is that if you're a guy... Lance would like to meet with you in the back section of seats just for a minute after the service to talk about some cool men's stuff that uh, are, are coming up. So, uh, guys, if you were at the breakfast a few weeks ago, or uh, if you want to be involved in what's going on in men's ministry here at Real Life, just head back to the back for just a short minute um, after church, and, and Lance will connect with you there. Um, and just on your way out today, uh, maybe give a little bit of ear to the song that we're going to play. Um, on your way out as we kind of tease the next series um, because it fits what we're doing. It's a Mercy Me song. It's actually a reproduction of a really old hymn um, that I used to sing back when I was a kid in church. And so uh, just as you're um, getting ready and you're headed out today, listen to that. uh, And we'll see you back here next week for a brand new series called As It Is in Heaven. We talk a little bit more about uh, the reign of Jesus being present in our lives here on earth. So I hope to see you then.